And thank you all for being here this morning. Like she said, my name is Casey. I'm actually a church planner. I'm planning Crossover Church this fall in Northwest Omaha. So, so glad to be here with you and also all of you online. Thanks for tuning in. We're so glad you're joining us here. And so I was actually a part of a group of people that moved with Monty from Sioux Falls to Omaha. And I don't know. So my first 4th of July here was crazy. In Sioux Falls, we could not light fireworks in town. So the first time here in Omaha, 4th of July, bonkers. It was like a war zone. Like, I couldn't believe it. Like, fireworks going all over the place. It was hazy. It was nuts. And don't judge me, but I'm the guy that I'd rather not pay for fireworks. Don't judge me. I'm also the guy I'd rather not light them. I like my fingers. I also don't want the guilt of, like, what if one goes and hits someone or, or hits someone's house? So, like, I, I enjoy watching them. Don't, I, I love watching them, but I would rather not pay for them or light them. So I wouldn't say it's my least favorite thing to pay for them or light them. There's some other things that probably would fit that list for me, like least favorite things to do. Let's play a little game here. Who here, who here maybe your least favorite thing to do is do laundry? A couple people. You with your hands down, be careful. I might call you because I would love for you to come do my laundry. What about doing dishes? Anybody here like, I just can't stand doing dishes? Like, our dishwasher's been out for a couple months. I just realized how much I dislike doing dishes. Like, not, not fun at all. What about going to work? Is that someone's least favorite thing? Okay, good. Everybody likes their, oh, it was one person, sorry. Everybody else likes their job. That's great. What about waking up before 9 a.m.? Anybody? Oh, there it is. There it is. I think here's the one. What about waiting? Least favorite thing to wait? Waiting in traffic, waiting in line. Speaking of waiting in traffic, especially when the power lights are out. Like when the lights are off, like, oh my gosh, that's like Rochambeau. Like, do I go, do I not go? Who's going next? Like, it's just crazy. Waiting in line, waiting for food, waiting to leave work, waiting for your wife to get ready. Don't look at your wife yet, but I, I hear you. I feel your pain. I feel it. I get it. But waiting. Waiting, especially, like, what about when a storm comes? Not much you can do, right? You have to wait out the storm when the storm comes. Waiting is so tough because it requires patience. And some of you, your patience has been tested, and the test results are in, and you tested negative. You have no patience. None. And some of you are like, Lord, please give me patience, but give it to me now. I need it now, right? We're so impatient. This week, my son had a, had a ruler, and he kept poking me with it. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Leave me alone. He's like, I'm just measuring your patience. I'm like, get out of here. Seriously, leave me alone. But patience, patience. And there's a lot of amazing careers, professions, jobs that require you to have patience. But I think one of the ones that really stands out to me is, a, is, is farming. If you know a farmer, you have to have patience. If you plant your crop, you have to wait for it. And that's actually, our, the title of our message today is Wait For It. Turn to someone and say, wait for it. They have to wait for it. And, you know, I grew up on a farm, and the farm life's not for everybody. It really isn't. There's several reasons why it may not be for you. Maybe the smells, the hard work, even the cost of farm is insane these days. But I think the one reason it's not for everybody is because you need patience. Now, don't get me wrong, I know there's a lot of farms that could use some more patience, but they have to wait for something to happen. 
when they plant their crop, there's a season of waiting. And during that season of waiting, there's so much that could happen, right? Is it going to rain? Is it not going to rain? Is a storm going to come? Is something going to break down? There's a season of waiting that they have to wait because the crop is coming, but it's not coming for a while. And they have to wait for it. They have to wait for it. I have never seen, and maybe you've proved me wrong, I have never seen a farmer under pressure and challenges that all of a sudden they were about two months out from harvesting the crop saying, you know what, I just can't wait anymore. I just can't, I'm I'm going to harvest my crop now, I can't wait anymore, I can't stand it. I've never seen it. And if you have, come talk to me because I've never seen it. And I don't believe it ever happened. Because they know what is coming. They know the harvest is coming. But they have to wait for it. And that's why farmers do an amazing job of showing us something. They show us that focusing on the future can help you be patient in the present. Focusing on the future can help you be patient in the present. And that's what we're talking about today. Are we willing to wait for it? Are we willing to focus on the future for when trials come our way? Can we be patient? Can we wait? And that's why I think the Bible talks so much about farming and planting and harvesting. Jesus talked about it so much. Even James, in James 5, says this, verse 7 and 8. says, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. They eagerly look. They eagerly, eagerly wait for the harvest to come. You too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. I love coming back to Meadows. But I need to do a better job of, of asking Monty what I'm going to talk about. Like, I just have to ask him before I say yes. Like, I'm learning that. Because, you know, after I said yes, I said, well, you can talk about patience. And you can about assume, like this is probably about a month ago, that he said, hey, you're going to be talking about patience. What do you think is going to be tested of mine? My patience. So I'm just going to give you a, a, a snapshot of the last month, month and a half. And how my patience has been tested. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you're in a similar spot of just like your patience being tested and you're going through a lot. About a month, month and a half ago, I find out that my stepmom is dying with stage four cancer. And they gave her six months to live. So I'm visiting the hospice and visiting her, spending time with her. Uh, maybe you've been there before, but work all of a sudden gets really challenging. Oh my gosh, just last week even. There's one document I needed. I saved it somewhere, but I have no idea where I saved it. Took me an hour to find it. But that whole time, I'm like, oh my gosh, you gotta be, I want to quit right now. This is insane. Can't stand it. Fourth of July, my grandma passes away. Fun way to celebrate, right? The Fourth of July. All of a sudden, the storm comes through this weekend. Thankfully, my wife wakes up at 3 a.m. and checks the sump pump. Because guess what? It's not working, and it's full, and our storage area is full of water. So guess what I'm doing from 3 a.m. to 7 a.m.? Hauling buckets of water to make sure our basement doesn't flood. That was a joy. That was a bl- I should count how many buckets I actually did. My neighbor's tree falls down, so once again, I have to go help them. And all these things are happening. And did I mention I have a two-year-old? I have a two-year-old. Soon to be two-year-old. Holy buckets. She's in this phase right now where, where she says she has to go potty. And if she's not wearing pants, she'll just rip her diaper off and just run. Like, oh my gosh, test your patience all, all day long. And I have a seven-year-old that's staying at home all summer long. 
So I'm on, I'm on a WebEx at work. I'm still working from home. And, hey, Dad, can I have, my, can I, can I have your phone? I'm like, can't you see I'm using it? But, Dad, can I have it right now? I'm like, hey, you have to wait until I'm done. Like, oh, my gosh, testing my patience. And then here's, here's probably number one. I bought a watermelon the other day, and it had seeds in it. <laughs> yeah. We had to throw that watermelon away because we didn't eat it. That's how impatient we are. Oh, my gosh. That's how, can't even spit the seeds out. That's how impatient I am. Crazy. Just crazy. But our patience gets tested. And what happens when it gets tested? How do we respond in those moments in time? Because the storm's coming. The storm's coming. What are you going to do in those moments in time? How are you going to respond when that happens? So what causes you to lose your patience? What challenges do you, what challenges you to become impatient? What pressures do you face that cause you to become impatient? <laughs> There's so many things that come up. Maybe you've jeopardized your marriage because you're seeking happiness elsewhere. Maybe you decided to quit your dream for some short-term satisfaction. Maybe you were so concerned about being right in the moment that you jeopardize your relationship with your children in the future. There's so many things that we face and in the moment, in the moment, we can forfeit our future because we're not willing to persevere in the present. So often we forfeit our future because we're not willing to persevere in the present. And in that moment of our, of our challenges, of our storms, we make a, a decision that we're going to regret for the rest of our lives. There's a Chinese proverb that says, one moment of patience may ward off great disaster. One moment of patience may ward off great disaster. But one moment of impatience can ruin your whole life. It can ruin your whole life. And if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you, go ahead and turn to, to 1 Samuel 13. I'm in a group with a couple other guys, and we've been reading through the Old Testament through Samuel, and it's just God's timing, right? He's showing me this throughout the Bible. And this is a story in the Bible that you see in patience where it completely ruins someone's life, but there's many others. So many stories. But to catch you up to speed, in 1 Samuel, here we are. Israelites have been in the promised land. They do what they do best. They're complaining about situations, and they see, they're actually seeing the nations around them, and they have a king. And they're like, we want the same thing. We want a king as well to reign over us. The sad thing is they already had that. That's who God was. God was supposed to reign over them. And how often do we do the same thing? Where God's supposed to reign over us, but instead we want something else. We want something else to control us, to lead us, to guide us. But it's supposed to be God the whole time. So they wanted to be like the nations, but God told them and wanted them to be set apart, to be different than the nations. But they desired to be like the other nations. So here God is. He gives in to what they want. And, and he ends up appointing Saul to be their king. And then Samuel, the priest, ends up anointing him. So here is Saul being the king. And, and, and God's actually warning the people, and actually Samuel, that, hey, it's going to go bad. 
if you want a human to be your king, like, it's going to go bad. It's not going to go well. And he tells them what's going to happen. But they didn't care. They didn't care at all. So if you have your Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 7. And then even such a bit more. Jonathan, Saul's son, just actually went to the garrison to defeat some, some Philistines. And doing that, all of a sudden, the Philistines are going to retaliate with this huge army. And that has the Israelites in fear. In so much fear, they're starting to run away and hide in caves and cisterns and in, in different places because they're so afraid of the Philistines. And so verse 7 says this. Meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgah, and his men were trembling with fear. Saul waited there seven days for Samuel, as Samuel had instructed him earlier. But Samuel did not come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. So he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offering. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. So think about this. Saul is facing all this pressure, right? Philistines are coming after him, about ready to attack him. His people, his army is taking off, running away. They're fearful, they're scared. And where is Samuel? It's day seven, where is he at? We have to say, we have to go before the Lord. And one thing to know here, a king's job is not to do the sacrifice. The priest's job is to do that. But Samuel, because of the pressures, because of the challenges, becomes impatient. And he does the sacrifice himself. And he does the sacrifice himself. And of course, it's like, you know, you hand in the cookie jar as a child. Who shows up when that happens? Your, your, your parents do, right? Same thing happens here. Verse 10. Just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. So the blood's still dripping, or the, the knife's still dripping of blood. The sacrifice has just happened. And here comes Samuel. He shows up on day seven, right? The, the day he was supposed to be there. Weird, right? Just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Saul went out to meet and welcome him. And, but Samuel said, what is this that you have done? Saul replied, I saw my men scattering, and you didn't arrive when you said you would. And the Philistines are ready for battle. Three excuses right there, right? Blames it on them. Blames it on the Philistines. Blames it on Samuel. And blames it on the army. In our moments of impatience, we tend to blame on others instead of ourselves. We tend to blame others instead of ourselves. So that's what, that's what Saul does. He blames on other people. Verse 12, so I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal, and I haven't even asked for the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you come, before you came. I felt compelled. How often do our feelings compel us to do something foolish? How often have your feelings compelled you to do something foolish? This is what happened to Saul. He had these feelings, right? Of doubt, of fear, and those feelings compelled him to disobey God. The same thing happens to us. The same thing happens to me, that my feelings can be so fleeting and so fickle, but yet I trust those more than I trust God's promises. And those feelings propel me and compel me to do something so foolish. And that's exactly what, Saul, or what Samuel says next in verse 13. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the commandment the Lord your God has given you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom 
over Israel forever. That was his future. Saul's future was to be the king over Israel forever. His kingdom was going to be established. That was his future. But unfortunately, he forfeited that future based on one decision. One decision ruined his future. Ruined it. But now your kingdom must end. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people. Because you have not kept the Lord's command. One moment. If Saul would have just had one moment of patience, he could have avoided disaster. But instead, his one moment of impatience led to complete ruin. His future was forfeited because of that one decision, because of his feelings, compelled him to do something foolish. So don't forfeit your future because you're not willing to persevere in the present. And, 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 and Samuel says something, right? He said, God wants someone after his own heart. Saul was after other people's heart. He cared about what the people thought. And if you remember Saul, the qualities of Saul were all, all outward. He was tall. 5'11". Is 5'11 considered tall? Probably not. I'm 5'11", so never mind. Um, so, so he was tall. And he was good looking. So Saul had the outward appearance of a, of a good king. Of what they would assume to be a good king. But God doesn't care about what you look, at, look like in the outside. He cares about your qualities of the inside. He cares about a man or a person, a woman after his own heart. And if you recall, who is that person? David. David is the next king to take over for Saul. David, not the tallest guy, probably not the best looking guy. He's young, he's a shepherd, but he was a man after God's own heart. He was a man after God's own heart. And that's who would become king after Saul. And if we could just contrast how, how impatient Saul was to how patient David was. Fast forward a couple of chapters. If you, go to, you don't have to go there now, but, but Samuel 24, 1 Samuel 24 is actually, like, so David actually has two opportunities to kill Saul. And you might ask, why would, why would David want to kill Saul? Because Saul ends up getting jealous of David and runs him out of town and Saul actually wants to kill David. So David is running He's fearful. Actually, he's not fearful. He's actually more faithful than fearful. Because there's two opportunities where, where David could actually kill Saul, but he doesn't. The first one is in the cave. And just like how, how Saul caved in, David in the cave did not cave in. Because he could look past the situation. He could look into the future what's to come. And this is what it says in, in Samuel 24, verse 9 through 11. Then he shouted to Saul, Why do you listen to the people who say I'm trying to harm you? This very day you can see with your own eyes it isn't true. Once again, here's, here's Saul listening to other people, what they're saying. Always listening to what other people are saying. It's not true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. For I said, I will never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed one. Look, my father, at what I have in my hand. It is a piece of your hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I did not kill you. This proves that I'm not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you, even though you've been hunting for me to kill me. Even though. David was willing and able to look past the situation. He could see what his future had in store. 
He was able to separate himself from that situation. The second time was actually when, when Saul and his army were sleeping. And, and, and David goes into the campsite and grabs his spear and his jug of water and does the same thing. Like, Saul, once again, the Lord has brought you into my hands. I could have easily killed you, but I didn't. I could have easily done it, but I didn't. Because once again, David could look past it. David was patient. patient. Saul was not. Impatient sounds like this. I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. I'm doing it even though I know I'm, I'm not supposed to do it. That's what impatience sounds like. Patience sounds like this. It says, don't kill him. For who can remain innocent after attacking the Lord's anointed one? Who can remain innocent after attacking the Lord's innocent one? His anointed one. David could see past the situation. He knew he was in trouble if he would kill Saul. He knew it would not go well for him. That is why when we are, that's why when we are patient, or when our patience is being tested, we put space between us and the situation. When our patience is being tested, we need to put space in between us and the situation. Because space helps us go from being patient to I'm patient. That space is so important. But it's what we do in that space that's more important. Are we going to praise God in that, in that space? Are we going to press into God in that space? Are we going to press into prayer, into his promises, into his power, into his presence? Because what we do in that space is going to determine what we do next. What we do in the space between us and that situation is going to determine what we do next. And we need to press into who God is. Into we need to press into what God has said. We need to press into his power and his presence. Because otherwise, we're going to become impatient. Otherwise, we're going to do what's right in our own sight. And that's what Saul did. He did what was right in his own sight. And he caved in to the pressure. He caved in to the storm. He caved in to the challenge. And we will do the same if we don't press into who God is and what he said about us and the promises he has for us. We need to create space for allow God to come in. We need to create space to separate ourselves from the situation so we can look at the future, what the future holds for us. Because in those moments of being tested, one decision can completely ruin the rest of our lives. But one decision can avoid great disaster if you're willing to press into it, if you're willing to step back. Are we willing to press into who God is? And that's the difference between Saul and David in this moment. Those challenging presses can either break you or they can make you. Are we going to quit on our marriage? Very impatient. Are we willing to work on our marriage? That's patience. Are we going to rush into an intimate relationship before marriage? Or are we going to wait for the intimate relationship? Impatience, patience. Are we going to try to quit that addiction ourselves? Impatient. Or are we going to go to recovery and get help? Patience. Are we going to fall away from our faith because we're facing challenges? Impatient. Or are we going to press into our faith? That, that requires patience. Requires patience. We are going to face pressure throughout our lives. There's no questioning that. The question is, are you able to persevere? If you want to be able to persevere, you need to know where you're going so that you can focus on what's going to take to get there. There's a reason I wear this watch. It may not look like much. I know I've shared this story before. 
but this watch is very meaningful to me. It helps me keep focus. When I'm not wearing it, it sits on my desk at home. And the reason is because a man used to wear this. His name was David as well. And if you knew David, this man persevered a lot. This man faced a lot. He had one arm. He had cancer. He challenges his whole life. And when I think of David's life, when I think of David's life, I think of perseverance. I think of his willingness to press in. I think of his willingness to press into God's promises, even though he was facing challenges, even though he was struggling, even though he had every reason to complain, he still pressed in. So when I look at this watch, I'm reminded, don't give up. Don't give up because of the problems you're facing now, but press in. Look to your future. Look what God has in store for you. And the reason David could, could truly press in, the reason David could look to the future, because he knew who Jesus was. He knew these, these present-day challenges and problems were only temporary. And he knew there's going to be a place that had no more tears, no more pain, no more challenges. And he knew that. And he knew that. He knew where he was going. He knew what the future had in store for him. He knew it. Do we know that? And so if you don't know this, like, we've actually been trying to plant crossover church for like the last year and a half. It was supposed to be the last fall, but something happened. There's a kind of a big challenge, a big problem, this thing called COVID that, that prevented that from happening. And I don't, like, you might not know this, but it's pretty hard to find a space when people aren't even letting you meet. Right? Like it, we had a space previously, but then all of a sudden it, it fell through because of COVID. And since that day, it's been so hard to find a spot, a location for us to gather as a body of believers. And we have been meeting, we've been doing different things here and there, but to have a space, a, a Sunday gathering where we can gather together, it's been challenging. It's been challenges, it's, there's been problems. It's even been hard to get someone to call you back. It's just amazing. Just amazing how challenging it's been. And so up to about a month ago, we didn't have a, a, any leads. I've reached out many times trying to find like, hey, would you even have a conversation with any of us meet there on a Sunday? And we just kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And all of a sudden, like those, those thoughts come to mind. Like, are we supposed to be doing this? Like, is, is this what we're supposed to be doing? Like, God, did I hear you wrong? Am I like, is this... It, you start becoming impatient, doubting. But then you press in. And it's what you do in that waiting. Like what Jesus said, right? Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Keep waiting. Keep waiting. Here we are about three weeks ago. We go from absolutely no places to meet to now we have potentially two schools, two movie theaters, and a potential spot to lease. But what would have happened if in the challenges, in the storm, as we're waiting, we made a decision to quit? We made a decision to give up because it got hard. Amongst everything else that's happening in my life, like I'm still working, all these other challenges, but still I know God's calling us to plant a crossover church because there's people that need to know Jesus that don't know him yet. 
There's people that need to cross over from death to life yet. But how easy would it have been for me, for us, for the team to tap out, to give up, to not press on and press forward. But once again, we knew what the future held for us. So we were able to be present and willing to be present and patient in the presence of God and to dwell in his presence, to ask him to go before us, to press into his promises, to press into his presence, to press into his power. Because without him, we're done for. And if we go forward without him, like Saul did, we go out on our own. But if we are willing to wait on the Lord and he goes with us instead of us going before him, great things happen. If you think about what has happened at Meadows Church, the amazing thing that has happened here is because of the prayer team, because of all of you praying, of all of you praising him and allowing God to do work in you and through you. To press in, even when the times get tough. Even when we have to set up at 6 a.m. in the morning every day, or every Sunday. Challenging, right? But you press in because you know what the future holds. You know that someone new is going to show up and say yes to Jesus. You know someone's going to show up and get baptized. You know God's going to do something truly amazing. So don't quit. Don't give up. Keep pressing in. Keep pressing in. Because here's the deal. Nobody on the wedding day thinks they're going to get divorced. Nobody does. Nobody thinks that. Don't lose sight of the till death of us part. Don't lose sight of what the future holds. Keep pressing in, even when things get challenging. Keep pressing. No, no, no one says after they say yes to Jesus and get baptized, no one thinks, you know, in a year when I face some challenges, I'm going to walk away. Nobody thinks that. But we lose sight of the future. We lose sight that, that walking with Jesus is a, is a lifelong journey. We lose sight that Jesus said, hey, on this earth, you will face challenges. It's going to happen. We lose sight of that. But it's in those challenges, in those problems, in those storms that the Holy Spirit's working on us. He's transforming us. He's preparing us for what's to come. The seasons where you, don't get so impatient on the season that you're in to get to the next season. There's something that needs to happen in this season to prepare you for what's next. Don't get impatient for where you're at. Let the Lord work on you. Wait for it. Be patient. He is preparing you for what's next and what's to come. This whole season of my life is preparing me for what's to come. The same is true for you. But are you willing to be patient? Are you willing to wait for it? Don't forfeit your future. Don't forfeit your future because you're not willing to be patient in the present. Don't forfeit it. So focus on the future. Focus on his promises. Focus on who the Father is. That'll help you patient in the present. Focus on him. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And who, who else to look to than Jesus? Who else to look to? The most patient person. Think about that. Think about what he endured to get to the cross. Think of the pain, the suffering, everything he went through without complaining patience. That's what it is, right? To endure, to keep moving forward, regardless of what's happening around you. 
He was so focused on his future of where he needed to go for each, one, each and every one of us that he was willing to endure anything and everything to get to the cross. To get to the cross for you, for me, for all of us. And if there's one thing I could tell you right now is there's one thing you should not wait on. I know there's a lot of things we need to wait on, but there's one thing you should not wait on. That's giving your life to Jesus. Giving your life, don't wait on giving your life to Jesus. Don't do it. Don't do it. Do not postpone accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. 2 Peter 3.9 says this, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord. And a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Our Lord is so patient with us. He is so patient. Don't postpone saying yes to Jesus. Don't wait on giving life to him. Because once again, one decision... One decision can completely change your life. One decision can completely change your future. One decision can also ruin your life. One decision. You are one decision away from an amazing future that God has in store for you. But we're also one decision away from losing it all. From losing it all. And so the Lord is patient with you. Do not delay. Say yes to him today. And know when you say yes to Jesus today, you have access to his power. You have access to his presence. You can go to him in prayer. So when you do face these challenges, when you do face these problems, he's there with you and he's there for you. The only reason I'm able to get through the things I've gone through, I wouldn't wish what I've gone through on anyone. But it's what I've been doing for the last six months. It's just asking the Lord, be with me. I need you. I need your presence with me. And it's in those moments where he's transforming me, he's changing me, he's, he's changing how I view things, changing how I, uh, how I live my life. He's changing me from the inside out. He's changing my heart. He's making my heart chase after his heart. And it's once that happens, we start living differently. We're able to start being patient. We're able to start living differently. That in those moments of trials, in those moments of challenges, when the storms come, we focus on him and we keep moving forward. So I have no idea what you came in here facing. Obviously, we all face a storm this weekend, but some of you have been facing a storm for a long time. You've been going through the storm by yourself. He doesn't want that to happen. He wants you to create space for him in your life. He wants you to create space for him in your life. So when the challenges come, you're prepared for them. When the challenges come, you put your focus on him. My, uh, I usually talk to my cousin every week. He's in Yankton. He's looking at starting some type of new ministry, a new church potentially in the Yankton area. And we, we just had these conversations. And this is a story about one decision away. He told me this story about God just put this, this family on his heart, a family that maybe has been struggling with their marriage, and God said, hey, you should reach out. Invite them to what you're doing. They're doing this online service every Sunday, and, 
and, and, and God just put this family on his heart and he reached out and said, hey, you should come. Come, just come check it out. We love, we miss you. We love to have you be a part. They, they've fallen away from their faith a little bit, haven't been a part of a church and they end up coming. And this is what he told my cousin. I was one decision away from ruining my life. I was ready to drive my car off a bridge. I was ready to drive my car off a bridge. Thank you for pressing in. Thank you for showing up in my life. You never know where someone's at. Maybe that's you here today. You're at a point in time where you're one decision away from forfeiting your future. Whatever challenges you're facing, we have a team that wants to pray for you. We have a team that wants to walk with you. And we have a God that's there for you. If you press into his promises, if you press into his power, if you press into his presence. So I'm gonna invite the prayer team up. I'm gonna pray for us. So Father God, we know trials will come. We know we'll face challenges. But in those challenges, in those storms, you are faithful. You are good. Your word never returns void. And we thank you that you're near us in those moments. If we will create the space for you, Father God. So I know we're all facing challenges. We all have those, those storms to face, those problems that are coming our way. Help us say yes to you. Help us say yes to your promises. Help us to be patient in those moments, Lord God, when it's so, so easy to be impatient. Help us to be willing to wait for it. Help us not to forfeit what we have in store for us. Help us not to forfeit our future because we're not willing to persevere in the present. Help us to focus on what you have in store for us. Focus on the future because I know it'll help us be patient in the present. And the wait is so worth it, Lord God. The wait is so worth it. So we thank you for those who are saying yes to Jesus today. We thank you for those who are willing to walk with you and to give the life to you. Best decision anybody could make. So help us press in, Lord. Help us press into you, your promises, your power, your presence. Because apart from you, I'm very impatient. Apart from you, I get very angry. Apart from you, I get mad. Apart from you, I do whatever I want to do. But with you, Lord. But with you, Lord, I'm patient. I'm kind. I'm loving. I'm joyful. I'm gentle. And we need you, Lord. We need you in our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. 
But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I wanna ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.